0: Hey, 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 Joshua J here, and I am so excited for this episode. We are your co-host Joshua J, and my mom, Cynthia Prophet Murphy, and this episode is going to be all about really breaking down what it means to be real, raw, and ratchet. But before we get to that, I would love to kick it off to you, mom, and just share a little bit about who you are before we get into this episode.
1: Hello, hello, hello. Yes, I am Cynthia Prophet Murphy. I am a mother, activist, motivational speaker, glow coach, educator. I have all the hats to wear. And the purpose, the reason for this podcast is, like you say, being real raw and ratchet. You talking to us, we talking to you so we can just be able to feel one another and just provide some inspiration to each other.
0: So let's talk about it. Come on and dive in with us both. Um. So my name is Joshua J. as previously introduced. Uh, I have worked in corporate America for 13 years, recently just resigning and started to do my own entrepreneur journey. And I'm super excited for this podcast because we get to do it together. We literally get to talk about everything in life, all Black issues, all family issues. Like we just get to go in and we get to be real, raw, and ratchet. And so, with that being said, mom, what does it mean to be real Ryan Ratchet? You're telling it like it is.
1: No, it's no bars, hoes. So, basically, I know people say, well, I have to watch what I say or watch what I do. Or no, on here, we want the real you. If you got attitude, I want that. If you got a little spice, a little sassiness, I want that. I want you to be you, and I want people to feel comfortable of being on here and saying what they need to say. And and it's, it's no judge bars. That's the thing about it. We're
0: not judging no judge zone at all. I agree. You know, growing up black, I felt like we always had to be policed in what we said. That's true. I feel like we always had to pretend to be uppity and pretend to have it all together and pretend to, you know, we were the cream de la cream of the world. And I'm super excited about this podcast because we don't have to pretend to be anything. We get to show up, we get to share, we get to, you know, laugh and cry and be real. And then, you know, we get to celebrate what makes us black. We get to celebrate the realness, the authenticity, the the, the richness, the ratchetness. Like we get to really go in and discover who we are in this process. So with that being said, where did you learn to be real it took time because like you
1: say growing up we had a certain persona of ourselves that we really just could not be ourselves we had to put this face on this mask on and when you put this mask on you had to be something else that you were not so as mm-hmm. as i'm getting older you pulling off these layers and you be like uh that's not me uh i'm not accepting that wait a minute Step back, you talking to me a little crazy, but it 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 comes over time. But mm-hmm. when you really, really start to know who you are and discover yourself, yeah, mm-hmm. you don't have no choice but to be real. You can you, you you can't sit up here and say you're gonna come at me with the BS and I'm gonna believe it because you're not. mm Ain't gonna even happen no more.
0: I feel that. Like I I I what I'm almost 31 and it feels like I'm starting to discover like the realness, like I'm starting to find my place and understand what I will and won't tolerate. And like, I'm I'm just me, you know, like I give no fucks because no fucks are given. And right. it's just reality. And it's just amazing to to step into our authentic selves and not really care about what the world has to say. And think about this. If all
1: our black women and black men have that mentality of I don't care what people have to say about me, or let me say what I have to say. My voice do matter. Mm-hmm. Oh, we are a culture that
0: cannot even be messed with. I agree. I that that hits so hard because we both want our communities to elevate. Yes. We both want our people to win and that's not a dig to anyone else it's just that we've been down for so long that we are ready to revolutionize our lives and this is the start I haven't found a mother-son duo that's gonna do it like we're gonna do it like this is exciting this is this is magical this is this is different it is it is because the thing of it is
1: like you say it's going to hit home and we're going to tear off layers and you're going to realize that, you know, mom had been through some stuff. I'm going to realize you not have been through some stuff. But in the forefront of it all, it's going to be a healing process. Like you said, we're going to rediscover ourselves. But yet and still, there are other people out there that's going through the same exact thing that we're going through that's afraid to talk about it. So that's mm-hmm. the thing about it. We're here. Let's talk about this. How was your childhood as you was growing up? Can you explain mm. that? I know it's a little deep for me because you gonna touch on me a little bit. So give it to me. Talk
0: talk to me. This is a big one. And I know we will probably spend some time on a lot of episodes, really digging into our, our childhoods. But growing up was crazy for me. Um, I remember like the early years it was just you and me it was you know us going to work well you going to work and me going to school and I remember you picking me up and we going to uh what was the place we used to go on Fridays to have you would have margaritas and I would have Joe's Crab Shack on (laughs) I-10 yes yes we would always do these like little Friday little date like end of the week things um and it was good like I remember it being good up until like six, seven, eight years old. And then after that, mom, to be quite honest, it went to a shit show. Um, is that like, when you talk about your sister was born? <laughs> yeah, I was jealous. Like going from being the only kid and the only grandkid, yeah, and the only male grandchild, I was spoiled. I yeah. had you, my dad was in and out of the picture. My grandparents, your mom, my my grandmother, your dad, my grandfather. Like I was literally the end-all be-all. I remember sitting on Papa's lap when I was like four or five years old driving a truck. Like he was teaching me how to drive then. Or I was sitting outside and and cutting the yard. So up until that time, it was beautiful. Right. And then life just happened. It I I remember y'all going to court to figure out visitation rights. And I remember spending weekends and I'm about to cry, but I remember spending weekends and, and, and you bought me a cell phone and I would call you at like nine o'clock at night to cry because I didn't want to be over my dad's house. And I didn't want to be around his family. And I didn't understand why I had to spend 30 plus days during the summer with him. Life became a blur because I was going through the visitation stuff and I don't remember where it stopped. I remember probably around 12 or 13, 14, somewhere around there, where I just broke. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. I remember I was filled with so much anger that I was like, I cannot do this anymore. I remember cursing at the top of my lungs, saying, I I don't want to do this anymore. School was happening. Um, Y'all were really strict. I remember sitting at the dinner table with a good old belt. And you were like, if you don't do your homework, <laughs> you're getting ass whooping. And I'm like, I'm a fucking kid. Like, OK, got to do this homework. And it was just, it truly, there's good, there's bad. But I think what ultimately shaped me as a person today is all of the trauma that we experienced a two 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 parent household my sister entering the world around six or seven years old and having to learn how to be not the only child anymore, learning how to share your time and your space and learning how to accept the new reality.
1: And- well, You know what? You mentioned something. Hold on, Josh, because we're going to go back just a little bit. You mentioned that, um, let's go back to the homework and you having a, I have a belt or whatever. It is so funny that you say that because- I was raised the same exact way. Your grandmother sat there on the side of me with a belt Mm. and was like, you better get this. So she had a very high standard. Mm -hmm. So it came back to where I did the same exact thing, Mm. thinking that it was right when it really wasn't. Mm. Yes, I was raised in a two-parent household, raised in. Don't mean I had both of my parents. My dad always worked. He was always gone. It was just my mom. Yeah. And the thing with that is she was doing the best with me and my brother. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of messed up because the way we were raised, we're thinking that is right. And I never had to go through the fact of going to court and everything who the hell ever thought that they baby daddy was going to take them to court. They Mm -hmm. wasn't worrying about court when we was dating. So I'm just saying, you know, so yeah, I get it. Your childhood. Yeah. It, it, it was, it was very, I'm not going to say difficult, but I can say that it was very stressful for you Mm -hmm. to go through at a young age, what you went through. And a lot of people don't understand that when kids young kids have to go through the court system and they have to be pulled between mama and daddy it's a lot on them it weighs on them so first of all let me apologize for them ass whoopings at the at the table (laughs) okay but you turned out to be a
0: straight a student so that was a good thing i did after yeah you know it was it was a rocky road but it was um, i would love you know we'll jump into your childhood as well but i would love to hear your perspective From like my zero to 12 years, zero to 13 years, how was it for you? Because I know that was my experience, but how was it as you as a single parent raising a kid and then having another kid and then? So
1: real quick, I was 18 years old when I became pregnant. And honestly, this going to kind of touch some folks. And I don't know if this agree with everybody, but it does agree. As a young female, I'm not going to say a young woman because I was still a little girl who thought she was in love or whatever the case may be. And I'm like, we don't put it in our mind that we're going to get pregnant deliberately. But like, okay, what do I need to do to hold on to this man? Mm -hmm. And thinking that I'm holding on to him by having you not realizing of all the chaos that came with it. So honestly, after I had you, I did grow up because I had to get in my mentality. I got a mouth to feed. I got a child to take care of. Ain't nobody finna finna take care of my baby but me. You know, did I try to make it work with your dad? Yeah, but then things happened. Domestic violence came into play and I'm like, "Mm, not good. I know that's another subject, but that's not good. Mm-hmm. So I was able to have, as they say, that village of helping me to raise you. It wasn't just your grandparents. You know, you had your uncles, your uncle George, your uncle Don, your uncle Floyd. They were there. Your great grandparents, you know, Grand and Pop, they were all there. Your uncle Tinker and them, they were all there to help me raise you. Because as a boy, I can't raise a man, a girl is different, but for you to have that, that, that male, uh, attention that you needed, then yeah, it, you had that, but you were a great kid. You never gave me any problems. Knock on wood. Thank God for that. And you were just excellent. I just hate that as time went on that I've learned of everything that you went through and, the trauma that it has caused you in life, you know, so I, I like I said, I do apologize for that, but um you have turned out to be a very, very beautiful, beautiful human being, great man that I love to see and wouldn't trade you for nothing in the world
0: you know <laughs> i i I thank you for the apology, and honestly, it's not even needed, and I say that because because of all the things that I went through, it molded me to really want to help other people. Right. It molded me to really want to be a bigger voice than what I already am. Right. And, you know, I'm in therapy and I have coaches and counselors and all that good stuff. And I've been in personal, de- personal development for years. And the people that go through the biggest trauma or the, the biggest traumatic experiences become the biggest givers in life. Yep. And I sit with that now. I didn't understand it a few years ago. I didn't understand it as a kid. But when we look back and we truly reflect, it was divine timing. It was God's purpose. It was, right. it was my, it was my life purpose to go through the different situations. So as I continued and I now build a coaching practice, I can support people that have been through those traumatic experiences and help them find their own voice. So I really do thank you for the apology, but I really want you to hear me that you were doing the best that you could as a single mom at 18, 19, 20 years old figuring out life, going to college, going to work, you know, taking care and still dealing with life because I know that there's more to life that you were experiencing that I have no idea of what truly was going on. And so I think now is a a perfect opportunity. How was it for you from like my zero to 12, zero to 13 year old self? How was it for you as a single mom? Honestly, it, it was
1: hard. It was very hard because the thing of it is, I couldn't focus on me. It wasn't about me anymore. It was about you making sure that I could provide the life that I wanted you to have. So, yes, I was working two, three jobs, going to college, you know, leave you with your grandmother, who I already know was Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. But again, you know, I had to do what I had to do because, one, I wanted you to always be safe. So it, it was a lot. I didn't date, I didn't have anybody around y'all. I think it wasn't until you were maybe 12, 13, 14 years old, before I even had someone really, really around you. And at that time, you know, I seriously started dating him. But it it was a lot and it was very, it was very emotional. Um, I had to hide a lot. I couldn't show my feelings. Like I had to be a mother, like most mothers are, most single mothers are, that we have to put everything on the back burner to focus on our kids. And that was my thing, was focusing on you at the time. You know, so I've learned at that time, I had learned how to just bury everything, put everything on the back burner and not even worry about it. And, you know, eventually it started surfacing. It really did. A lot of emotional trauma, physical trauma, mental, my mental state. Yeah. It started surfacing back several years ago. Mm -hmm. So again, it's just like, you know, just making sure that you were okay. And the thing, like you say, of, of being a single mother, trying to protect their child, we're thinking we're doing the right thing. And then as we come along, we come to learn like, damn, I fucked up. Like, we don't, we can't acknowledge that. And as Black mothers, we don't never want to admit that I messed up. They don't want to do that. Your pride and your ego get in your way. And the only thing you say is, I did the best I could. Yeah, you did. We did. But we still
0: messed up. I think it's two sides to that coin because you personally can feel like you messed up. But I see it now, you know, healed from the experiences, you did the best that you could with the resources that you had then. Right. And I feel like there's grace there. And you said something that's really important. You didn't use the word numb, but as a kid, I remember going numb. Mm -hmm. I remember blacking out. And I, I literally cannot recall most of my childhood because when I was going through the fighting of parents and the fighting of custody and all that stuff, I literally became numb. Like I'm sure I have to go see a hypnotherapist for them to unlock something in my mind for me to go back and relive those experiences. But.
1: Oh, I do not want that for you because what we went through and not, and not bashing your father, I would never do that. Cause I never did. But the things that we went through, me and him, behind you no i would never want you to to relive it or rehash it i really wouldn't want to
0: did you and i'm asking you this as a single black mother did you go numb i did and when did you go numb
1: i believe that i went numb um when i started going through courts Because this was, first of all, this was a a guy that I really did care about. And like, he was literally trying to take you from me. And on top of him trying to take you from me, then I had your grandmother on this side. Like, you caused all this. You did this. If you would have listened to me and not dated him, we wouldn't be going through all this. And I seen also what it was doing to you as a as a child, as a baby, because mm-hmm. there were times that you did have super, supervised visitation rights. Like we had to go through all of that. Mm-hmm. But when supervised visitation rights ended and he had to start coming, getting you, I became numb then because you would cry, you would scream, you would holler, you would not want to go. And we're talking about the age of two and three years old. So I had to become numb then. I believe, honestly, I was numb before then. Mm. I believe I was numb before then. And as what I mean by that is because when you are mentally drained, when you... And put it like this: When you are in a controlling situation, when someone is controlling you, your whole life, mm-hmm. you become numb.
0: You know, I want to make sure that we do a service to our listeners and the followers that this is our lived experiences. Right. This is what our- I share yeah. is my truth. Yeah. What you share is your truth. Yes. And this isn't to attack anyone in our family this isn't to you know air dirty laundry nothing like that but I want people to understand that there's always two sides to a co- to to a coin right and you know it's so crazy that there's generational trauma being passed down from generation to generation to generation yeah because you said you know you lived in a controlled environment and as a kid I felt like I lived in a in a controlled environment yes and even at the age of 31, I would love to have children, but I don't think that I'm whole and healed enough to even go down that route. Like I literally told my therapist probably two or three weeks ago, I was like, I don't know if I can have children. Like those little babies are going to be traumatized with all the shit that I have been through. <laughs> and he recommended this book. It was like, uh, uh, Unmature uh, un- uh, parents living with emotionally mature kids, or something like that. It's it's a great book that I'm reading now, but I really like that you hit on, you know, you went numb at a part of life, and you said it was before, you know, when I was little, when I was a baby, mm-hmm. or before that. Mm-hmm. And for me, I I remember, I don't remember zero to four, zero to five, but for whatever reason, I remember briefly about four to five years old kind of like bits and pieces of my life and then it blacks out like mm-hmm. it truly just blacks out so right. I, I I I love that we can share just a little bit about our past right and we can definitely continue this in another episode because we're going to have to unlock and unpack all of this but is there anything that you want to share About our childhood, my childhood, your childhood, for the listeners?
1: Um, just know that being raised as a Black kid, you already are being prejudged. And... Our babies are already struggling. They really are. Not just because of the color of their skin, but just survivor mode. That's what it is. Our babies, our young black kids are in survival mode. And Mm -hmm. as parents, me personally, that we just have to take a step back and look at, what our kids are going through literally mm-hmm. like no one have the idea that kids get stressed out mm-hmm. they really really do they feel as though that kids don't have problems kids have problems they really do so hopefully with this what we going through with this real raw ratchet being real raw and ratchet that people can understand Like you say, we're not judging anybody. I'm the last one to judge. Because if you really know what I have been through, the things that I've done, even to put food on the table for my kids, you'd be like, she don't need to be providing no inspiration to us. She ain't that. No, but it's real. I've accepted it. So the thing of it is, is that just, just keep an open mind talk to your babies, talk to your kids, because guess what? You'll be amazed at what these babies are going through or what they have heard for real.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I think this is a good pause and then we can definitely pick up on just a little light into your childhood and the things that you went through on the next episode. Do you agree? I agree. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. This has been episode one of the R3 podcast where we are real, real raw, and ratchet. ratchet. See y'all on the next episode. Bye.